Welcome on into the 2-3 Podcast. I'm Cam. That's Zach. Episode 16, Down Bad Edition. The boys fall in the 90-10 on the season with that loss to Duke. Cam, as always, and in particular this time, how are we feeling? Um, not, not good. I don't know how you can feel good after a loss like that. It was not a bad loss by like tournament means. It's not going to hurt our tournament resume if we have one at this point, but it was still a rough loss. It was still not a good way to go down in Cameron indoor. It was a little close in the first, like, I want to say maybe 10 minutes of the first half. And then it kind of started to get away, but there was still a little bit of life left. And then once the second half hit, it was just lights out from there. Uh, Duke was great. Cameron Indoor was lighting it up. They were they were lively as always, and it was a, it was a pretty rough game, Zach. Yeah, I really thought Jim Beheim was going to do a special where we were down like ten points to start it off, and then next thing you know, they pulled around and win the game, like we did two years ago with Elijah Hughes and that squad. Because it was very similar. We're down like 11 points or something like that. And then we started to rally a little bit. Like, okay, okay, we're finding our feet. Obviously, Cameron, like you said, is a really tough spot to play in. It's loud. It's crazy. Honestly, like, it's a mecca of college of college basketball, basketball in general. It's it's an insane arena, insane place. has a lot of history, obviously. So, obviously, it's like, I'm sure it's like super cool experience to play in there. But, yeah, it was... Uh, it was a rough second half, and it was the fact that we lost the game, like Cam said, isn't a deal breaker. But the fashion we lost the game does hurt. It it ended up being a twenty point game, but in reality, it kind of felt like, you know, it could have been. It felt more like a thirty point loss, honestly. It really did. When I looked at the final score, I was a little bit surprised that it wasn't a 30-point loss because it certainly felt like that the majority of the uh, of the game. I thought that the... I don't know. I thought that the boys did okay for what they were dealt. It was more or less like... Right from the get-go, I think that Duke came out to like a 10-0 like a lead or a 9-0 lead. It was something pretty you know they, they got going very early and you kind of got the sense that okay this is going to be tough this is not going to be like an immediate takeover that we have seen sometimes against Duke when it comes to Q's teams but it was pretty tough it was pretty difficult and I can imagine for the players maybe that was a good thing that in the end hey maybe like down the line this season they can use us as maybe fire coming into Duke uh, at home, but I don't know. Like When you look at a, a loss like this, Zach, there's not too much good to take away from it. It's a lot of bad, and here at the 2-3, we like to keep it as positive as possible, so we're going to try to keep the bad. Like We're not going to try to cover the game as much in depth as we usually do, but there are a couple of like shining pieces to this loss, if you can say that much. Um, there were like two players, Zach, that really stood out to us. Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, Jesse Edwards. He is the the shining light for this year, honestly, because of his development and the fact that we have him again next year, which is super exciting. He had a solid game, 
happy to see that from him. Obviously not perfect, but he he played well. And also we got to give a shout out to Samir. I loved his minutes. I loved his his continuing minutes that he's been getting these last few games. And it's it's sad to see him hurt too. Yeah, it is sad to see him hear it hurt. Uh, this coming from SB Nation, he will be out for probably uh, this week. He's probably not going to play this week with a knee injury. And filling in his shoes will be, well, looks like Cole will be pretty much next coming up off the, you know, like kind of taking over that, that, that guard position sort of. And then also, Zach, after Cole... Patty Casey is looking to get some minutes. That's some like that's a pretty good news, I guess. You know, fan favorite Patty Casey. We love him here on the two three. That would be exciting. I do think it's going to be more of at first at least more of like a Benny and John Bull coming for Cole and Cole slides to the to the two. But I would love to see some Patty minutes, just like everyone else. I am curious to see how Cole is able to sort of fill in that role because I don't necessarily see him as like a guard. In fact, if I look at the bigger guys, let's say Jimmy, Cole, and then we'll throw Jesse in there, but obviously he's not the guy. But if you, I guess, compare Cole and Jimmy, I feel like Jimmy is really more the ball handler in that situation. Yeah, you, you'd you almost kind of think that. I don't know the exact reason. I mean, I do like the idea of a little bit more length at the top of the zone on defense, which would be nice. But other than that, yeah, I mean, that's interesting. I mean, I don't, I don't really know what... I mean, Jimmy has struggled with, with some turnovers and stuff with, like, full-court pressure here and there. I mean, so has everyone, but I really don't know. I mean, Jim knows best, so I guess there's no uh, there's no questioning that. That is true, but uh, again, not too much good to take away from this game. Like Zach said, Jesse came away with nine rebounds. He had 12 points. And like you said, Zach, the development of Jesse over these past few games has been tremendous to see. And I think that both you and I agree that this is something that we absolutely did not expect heading into this year. And we both thought that he was going to be probably the weak point when it came to defensively, especially, but he's really been one of the bright spots of this team this year. Yeah. He's been everything more or everything you could ask for and more. He's been terrific, fantastic. Obviously not perfect. There's things he's need to work, he needs to work on just like anyone else. But just the leap he made this year, definitely like most improved player I think I've ever seen within one year on the Q's program since I've been following it, which is a huge testament. Obviously, I haven't been following for that long, but just the fact that he's made this huge jump is is insane. And credit to him, obviously. I don't think that he is good enough to make the jump yet to pros. So I think that we can safely assume, like you said, Zach, that he's going to be back next year. And that is fantastic because this is going to be a young squad that's going to be coming in. It's going to be a uh, pretty, pretty solid recruiting class, all things considered coming in. So I'm excited to see what Jesse is able to do with that young class. And I'm excited to see what he kind of does to sort of help out the team going down the line. One thing, Zach, that I will say was my favorite stat of all from Jesse. He did not foul this game, foul out this game. He did not foul out this game. He had three fouls, but he did not foul out, which is great. Yeah, I mean, and that's with the tough assignment of some just the entire roster of Duke players that were attacking him all game, and he still managed to get two blocks too. So I don't know. I mean, maybe he's improving a little bit. Maybe you know things went away his his way a bit more this game. 
But nonetheless, fantastic to see that. So I want to make a little bit of a transition here because we really want to talk about just sort of the status of the program as it stands right now. As Zach said, we're nine and 10 right now, not looking too good. We're three and five in conference play. We've lost uh, five of the last seven games. It's been a really, really tough stretch and January has not been a kind month for Syracuse basketball. And I want to bring up a question to you, Zach, that I saw kind of trending on Twitter a little bit. Um, in Cuse Nation, and that is, should Bayheim consider starting Samir Torrance? Do you think that that is an option that could theoretically be on the table after he is back from his injury? I think that both you and I agree that Jim is very stubborn when it comes to a starting lineup, but do you think that there is a world in which Samir maybe could be instead kind of, you know, actually starting in the game? That I mean, obviously, this is something people have been questioning, asking, calling for, you know, honestly, like since the season started, but particularly these last few games after some years showed that he's his presence on the court is helps the team so much. And like you said, Jim is very, very particular and stubborn with his his starting five. And it hasn't changed at all to this date from some from game one so far. So. I don't see it happening, but I guess if we want to play a little chemistry game of should he, could he, would it help? I think it could. I do like Joe off the ball. I do think when he's in. So, I mean, it's like, so for if Samir starts, does that mean Joe Girard is on the bench? Or does that mean one of our Ford is on the bench? What does that mean? Well, that was kind of the next question I was going to have for you because if you theoretically, if you start Samir, he's the obvious point guard. And like you said, Joe would be off the ball, but would he be coming off the bench is the question. And I think if you want to make a devil's advocate argument, I think that in a perfect world, or at least a world that Jim is is less stubborn when it comes to a starting lineup a fun experimental lineup that I'm thinking of could be you got Samir at the one, Joe at the two, Buddy at the three, and then at the four, it obviously becomes a toss-up between Cole and Jimmy. And I think you might need to, I don't know why I still have confidence in him, Zach, because he really has not been very good these past couple of games, but I still feel like Captain Cole is so vital to this team. But at the same time, you go back and forth. It's like, well, I feel like Jimmy needs to start because he can show that when he's hot, he is hot and he is vital to this team's success. So I don't know. It's a toss up at that four position. And then obviously Jesse is at the five regardless. But man, if I had to choose... I don't know, man. That's a really, really difficult decision, Zach. Would you be? Would you start Joe Girard first and foremost? Would you start him? I think you have to start Joe just because of his scoring ability. And while Samir has started to finish a bit more, and his finishes have been great. Obviously, he's still not perfect, but he's finishing at the rim because we know he can get to get there. But these last few games is the first time he's shown that he can actually finish as well, which has been awesome to see. But still, he's he's not the scoring threat 
I don't I don't think he has the scoring potential that Joe Girard has either. So that's his one downfall is while he, I love everything else, defense, the way he moves the ball, distributes, pushes the floor, breaks down his defender, you know, mo- provides what he provides to our offense and defense except the scoring aspect from him. So you definitely have to keep Joe in. Um, otherwise he just, otherwise you would be, you, you limit yourself and you get in another situation where like too many people out there can't score. So then what do you do after Joe? Like, what do you do? Do you start, obviously you gotta start buddy, but like, what do you do when it comes to Jimmy and it comes to, you know, Cole? Yeah, I mean, I'm in the same dilemma as you. I do like the idea, for some reason, the idea of Jimmy coming off the bench. I just feel like he could provide like a huge flair. I mean, either of them arguably could, but for some reason, Jimmy particular, in my mind, coming off the bench into a game, because, you know, at that point, there's there's a problem, there's something he needs to do. I think if he has that like in his mindset and like comes off and just... Because I mean, he he can do that starting, and if he can if he can kind of come in and, and fix the problem off the bench, because he's he's more aware. Jim just told him what to do essentially, or whatever. I don't. I think that flair could be could be pretty useful. I don't mean to generalize the problem, but do you think that Samir starting would save the season? Do you think it's the the spark that this offense needs? I don't think it could save it. I mean, like, maybe, like, it's hard to say, like, because even when Samir's in the game, like, it's not like he saved the Duke game and miraculously were able to win it because he's in the game. I do think when he came in, he kind of gave us a little jolt, and we did get it within to, I think, one point after their their lead in the first half there. But overall, like, push comes to shove, you know, there's highs and lows to every game and there, there there's droughts and there's there's runs on either side so it it's always going to happen so I, I i really don't know i mean i i don't i really don't think he's the end-all be-all answer i do think it'd be interesting look and you know while we have our lab coats on and we're, we're you know we're we're fooling around with chemicals and lineups like it could be an interesting look that's what it is it's an interesting look maybe it could provide some spark a change up but ultimately, like, I think, you know, another wrinkle is going to have to come in or whatever. You're going to have to shift things around. It's, it's not a perfect solution. All of these guys, we just expected a lot more out of them yeah. in the beginning of the year. And this whole season has been, well, it's been a disappointment, I think. Uh, I think I can speak for all Q's fans when I say that we did not expect the record to be like this, you know, more than halfway through the year. There are still quite a few games left. I think that when we counted Zach, what was it, like 12 or something like that? There are 12 games left. Yep. So it's, we can, a comeback could be made. A comeback could be made. It has been done before. There has been a spark that has happened before that has just lit a team on fire and they win like 10 of 12 and then make it in the big dance. It can happen. I hope it happens. Here at the two, three, we are praying that it happens. But at the same time, Zach, there are still there's stuff to not necessarily be worried about, but there's stuff to be. I guess you, you gotta. We're really trying to not be worried here, right? There's stuff that um, 
I don't know, man. It's just, it's a tough year. It's a really, really tough year, Zach. And it's a little difficult to put it into words. Yeah. I mean, you look at the record and I know Jim is on record of not paying attention to the record <laughs> and just moving on to the next game. But you do have to look as look in the mirror. And I know I look in the mirror as a team or as a fan of the team, obviously. And you look at the nine and 10 record and it just hurts. It hurts that we had double-digit losses before we got double-digit wins. And something in particular about the 9-10 and 10 record at this current point in time really, really hurts. And that Duke loss, like, I do agree to a point that we could go on a huge, crazy tear these next 12 games, you know, beat Duke back and hit the Carrier Dome when they come back in for round two get a few other good wins against, you know, Miami. But for some reason, the Duke walk loss kind of felt like, you know, going the gulag and, and, and not winning. That was like our, our chance to get back in the, into the, into the battle arena. And we just couldn't do it. I do think there is a possible chance, like you say, but for some reason that Duke loss does kind of feel like, Maybe we're we're a bit out of it. Do you think that this team still has life to it? I think we still have life. I mean, like the players on the team, Cole's on record saying this in some recent pressers. He doesn't he said that like, he doesn't care what happens going forward until the last game, until the season's over, he's gonna try to win every single game. And I know that's the mentality of the team. That that has to be the mentality of the team. Otherwise, what they do like you know, they don't get draft picks, obviously they have recruiting, but this doesn't, they can't tank for a draft pick. You know, that doesn't, that's not how college basketball works. So they're going to try to win every single game. And this is never like an effort thing. I think the guys are trying, trying as hard as they can, but just for some reason, not everything's falling into place. The next five games, there are a couple of games on there that are more or less like, Hey, you gotta win them games. You got Pitt coming up who I think they only have like seven wins on the year. The biggest game, I think, in this five-game stretch, though, is the game after that. That's at Cuse, and it's against Wake Forest. And they are a tremendous team. They're doing pretty well in the ACC. I would say that they're probably one of the March Madness contenders at this point in the year. And then after that, you got NC State, Louisville, and then our favorite Boston College. In Boston College, too, there's a lot of, like, must-win games. Not necessarily to just save the season, but also, like, you should win them. I look at Pitt. I look at NC State. Louisville's doing okay this year. And then obviously Boston College. They are games that you absolutely need to win. And I think that if you as a team end up losing maybe two of them, three of them, whatever it may be, I feel like that could really like kill a team's momentum. Whatever momentum this team has right now, Zach, it could really like be a detriment to the season. So I think that these next five games, I always know, I know what we always talk about here, like, oh, the next couple of games are the most important, but I feel like this is probably like make or break for the season. Yeah, I mean, other than that, the only saving grace, which, you know, is, is a long shot based on history of the ACC tournament, but is, you know, obviously going all the way with ACC tournament, which I guess is possible. I'm always hanging on to hope that maybe we could, you know, shake things up in the ACC tournament, regardless of what we do. I mean, I would love to, win that regardless I mean I rather you know I, if we win every single game going if we go 12 and 0 then win the ACC tournament great obviously that's a huge <laughs> ask but it would be nice to, to 
perform well in the SEC tournament. I think just like last year, the year before was the first time we like won more than like two or three games in the SEC since we joined it. So it's a it's a big ask. It's a huge ask. Yeah, it definitely is, and it's 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 a thin chance. I mean, I'm not gonna say it's impossible, but it's also like probability and probable. You know, that you're messing with both those with that. I do want to ask you a very depressing question: Who has been, in your mind, like the biggest disappointment this year, so far? So far, there is still time. There's still time to make up for you know the. If if they win the next twelve games, Zach, we will look back on this team as like our favorite team ever. But again, like you said, it's a very tall ask. Right. But who? What would you say is has been your biggest disappointment this this year so far? I mean, I don't know if I can call out a single player per se. I mean, I do think like the fact that this is like the Bayheim boys squad. You know, all three Bayheims together joined forces for a year to, you know, cause havoc at the ACC, go to the NCAA tournament and, you know, turn some heads and make some noise. At this current point, we're really not, you know, where we want to be. And this is, I don't know if you remember this, but in the Duke game, I believe in the start of the second half, the reporters were like talking to Julie Bayheim. And one of the things Julie said was, you know, obviously we're not happy with our record. But it's like a cool thing that everything's together. But obviously, like, no one is happy that the Q's program is where it is right now. And I think everyone can agree, players included, that it's a huge bummer that Q's is where they are currently. So I think yeah. overall, like, that's got to be just the aura of the Bayhives and the team. Just the, in general, Syracuse, forget who is on the team. The fact that we're 9 and 10 right now is, is a huge bummer. I don't want to, like, call particular people it's just a bummer i think that if you were to tell me like in the beginning of the year that hey jesse is going to have like a career year he's going to be the most improved player on the team by a long shot and the Bayheim brothers are always like leading in team scoring in every single game i would have told you that hey that team at this point is probably like I don't know, 15 and four or something like that. They're, they're probably cruising right now. But then if I were to reply, no, they're actually nine and 10. It just doesn't make any sense, man. It doesn't really make any sense. There have been a lot of close losses that have just come down to maybe one pass, maybe one inbound, maybe one possession, whatever. But it still felt like we were still in it the whole way. There have been losses like Colgate where you scratch your head and you're like, why'd that happen? Like, what what went wrong? That was a disaster. And then you got these games like we just had, a 20-point loss against Duke where you get absolutely hammered. And it's like, there's been no real like flaw that sticks out to me to say, yep, this is, the, this is what we need to do better when we come in. To the next game against Pitt, we really need to work on this. It's just like there's a lot of issues and they are always changing, which is so incredibly frustrating. Yeah, I think we're at a point in the season where and I'm not sure if I'm fully ready. I mean, a little bit I already have personally, but we have to you have to rethink 
and reevaluate your expectations for who this team is and what they can do. Obviously, there there's some rules of thought where they still have a chance if they go on a huge tear, if they do well in the ACC tournament, this and that. But, you know, there also is a point where you have to look where we are and you have to be honest with yourself and kind of reconsider what this scheme could do and like what what hope do we have obviously i'm not obviously i, I have a hope that we make to the ncaa tournament are those chances pretty low based on what people are currently saying yes i mean uh, some people are saying zero percent at this point hopefully it's a bit more than that but i do think we're at a point where we have to say like what what's our what's a, our best bet what's what's our expectations going forward here and what is the future of Jim? You know, do we still trust in Jim? Do we still trust that he's going to do the right thing? And I think that Zach, both you and I agree that, listen, Jim knows best. All right. Jim still knows best. He still is like one of the best coaches in college basketball for a reason. Um, this is just a very, very, very rough patch in his career right now. Yeah, there's been a lot of discussion on Twitter and other online platforms and even on a national level to a degree about, you know, this people have been like, you know, saying this throughout the year too after bad losses or after losses of like, oh, Jim's retired, it's time, this and that. And Kim and I both agree that we're not ready to have that conversation here on the 2-3. But just the fact that it's happening and it's keep on happening and it's just... I don't know, it's just sad to see. It's it's tough to to hear a program that once w- was so beloved in in Jim to kind of just forget about that. I mean, obviously they respect him to a degree, or they respect him, but it just it just hurts to to see that and and hear that that kind of negativity. I guess there was a certain podcast that had said Rick Bettino should go to Syracuse. We're not going to call him out by name or anything, Zach, but I got to say that's a that's a very bold take, and I don't like it. I don't like the take of Rick Pitino going to Syracuse. That just doesn't fly with me. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting idea. I mean, obviously, like, Rick Pitino has had great success as a coach. His defense he had at Louisville was, like, pretty wild. I know we've talked about that on the 2-3 before. The two three to man switch within the same defensive rotation, but something doesn't feel right about that completely, and it just feels weird to think about an era beyond Jim Beheim, and it's just sad that we're on the point of the season where things aren't going well enough to where we have to have that conversation, or no, we don't have to, but that that conversation is being had because things aren't things aren't good right now in the program. If obviously if if we were fine and just if we just beat Duke, this conversation wouldn't be wouldn't be hap, wouldn't be it, it wouldn't be a conversation right now. So it's just it's just a bummer that this is even a conversation. Yeah, I think that the Duke loss definitely contributes to that. Like it's, I'm assuming that fans are probably in a pretty bad place right now. Which hey, look, we are too. Like it it was a really crappy loss, but give it a little bit, give it the next few games that will tell us where the season's going to be going. If it's really like time to write this off or whatever, give it until like the end of February, just let February take its place. And Hey, listen, 
Maybe at the end of February, after the UNC game, Zach and I will hop on and say, man, we were so wrong at the end of January. Look at where this team is now. They're, you know, fighting for, uh, you know, a, a spot in March Madness. Or it could be like, hey, man, this season really was terrible. So anything could happen. All we got to tell you is just like, enjoy the ride. Enjoy Q's. Be positive. Listen, there's nothing like fun about being negative, man. We don't like being negative here on the 2-3, but we are realistic. We're very realistic here. I do want to ask you, Zach, heading into the Pittsburgh game, as I always ask you, who are you looking to have the biggest game? Who are you really looking to really take over? And I always say this because he's such a crucial point of our offense. And when Buddy isn't playing well, our team is not playing well. So we always have to see Buddy. And after struggling against Duke, guiding him back into Buddy bucket mode, scoring, you know, 20 plus points and just playing great, having a stroke on, shooting well, all those things. So I I always revert to Buddy because, like I said, he's just so important, and I just feel like he's just. It, it's kind of like I mean I guess we would say this about other teams. This would have been Elijah Hughes in years prior. This would have been Tyus Battle of always being a, he's our guy. But who's due for a a good game? I guess I'll throw that back at you. What do you think? I think Cole Cole is Cole's been due. Cole's past due. All right. Cole missed his appointment, and now he's got a late appointment right now. He needs a good game so badly just to like install any sort of confidence in his playing just for the fans or for himself in general he needs to have a huge game against Pitt and I think that he really could do that if he can just get the ball going like in the net just like hitting threes I think that that'll really like get his confidence up so that way he can actually drive in and do whatever he needs to I feel like he's been taking too many shots I don't know. He's he's a shooter, but he's also been taking a lot of three attempts. And I feel like he needs to really just kind of take smart shots within the arc. Yeah, I think it's also just testament to I mean, obviously, he he has struggled in games where we, we, we win and even play well. But especially like the last game against Duke, obviously the loss, just our, our offense isn't in a good flow. And, you know, it's hard to, like, really feel out the rhythm. So he did take six shots, and maybe they were open. But just the fact that you weren't in good rhythm, things weren't – it was just, it was just clunky. So even though, like, it was a quote-unquote open shot, it just wasn't in the right flow. So it, it didn't have the, the best chance to go in. So I think some of that, a little bit of a benefit of a doubt there. But, yeah, I definitely agree against Pitt that – Got to see some 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 three balls go in, and I I think he's he's a shooter. We I've seen I was I went to the Florida State game. I know I haven't talked about this much, but in warmups I watched him make. Obviously, this is warmups. You know, he's set, he's in rhythm, he's all warm, ready to go. But I I watched him make like eight eight to ten threes in a row, moving around the arc, not just in one spot. Like he's he's a shooter. He has a beautiful stroke. And I think just in general, he's having a really hard time finding his his stroke in the game. Against Wake Forest, 10 points. Against Pitt last time out, 10 points. Uh, Florida State, he had a pretty good game. He did. He had 17 points. 
And then Clemson, he had five turnovers and then seven points. And then Duke, he only had 11. So I think that uh, Cole is due. I think that he really set the bar high, too, in the pregame, you know, or in the pregame, in the uh, preseason games where he was, like, just knocking down threes like it was nothing. And then, obviously, during the Bahamas trip, he went, he had a pretty good, pretty good run. Um, so I think that he just needs to get back to whatever he was doing back then. He just needs to do that again. I don't know whether it's like a different warm up routine or if he just needs to hit the court earlier or whatever, but it just looks like he's getting decent looks, but they're just, they're not, they're not going in. And I think maybe take closer shots or something. I don't know. I'm not. I mean, shooters got to shoot. And if you don't, if you're a shooter and you stop shooting, then you lose confidence. So as much as like I agree, like you know, you're one for six from the three. Like you gotta move in. Like I know that's how I would do, but also like I'm not a certified shooter. I don't shoot threes every day and like have the confidence that he does. So I see what you're saying, but also like it's kind of a double edged sword because it's like all right, you're gonna some guys will be like, yo, I rather you shoot one for ten than you know one one for five. I want to see you take those shots, hit, get those reps up, and shoot. Otherwise, or you're like, hey, listen, it's not working for whatever reason. Let's move in, drive in. How else can you impact the game rather than just like missing shots? Double-edged sword, different rule of thoughts, depending on how you talk to you, but. You know what? You got a good point there. You got a really good point. I think with, with Pitt, that could give him an opportunity too. Like if we get it off to an early lead, give Cole, Cole the uh, the confidence to shoot, do whatever he needs to. I'm sure that Joe, Jim will like keep him in. And if he's running the guard position, he's going to get as many looks as he possibly can. So I agree with you. That's a really good point, Zach. I think that he does need to take as many looks as he needs to try to get his rhythm back. And hopefully against Pitt, we're able to get into a big enough lead that he can just kind of stay in the game, figure out what he needs to. And he can finally, you know, get the ball moving or something. Yeah, hopefully we see that. You know, it's it's very important for him to get a flow. Just, just start feeling good about his play. Just feeling confident in what he's doing obviously I don't I mean it's I don't think he's feeling bad per se obviously I don't know I'm not in his I'm not in his head I don't know what he's thinking <laughs> but obviously just in general these players aren't happy after a loss I think people often forget that people the team is is like probably like miserable like on one side of the coin that where they currently are obviously they have to like kind of forget and move on so they can actually perform but overall like these guys are are heartbroken i'm sure where the where this current program state of the program is the fact that the nine and ten the fact that they got you know beat pretty bad by duke and i think people often forget that when they're you know typing on twitter or you know saying fire Bayheim. so i think we gotta people need to not forget that these players in this team in general the, the players that play the game are down bad too and i think people often forget that and listen, man, they're kids like they're they're college kids. All right. So like let them get through what they need to let them work it through. I'm sure that Jim is probably off than you are at home typing on Twitter. 100 percent. He is pissed. All right. He is an angry man. I can almost guarantee he that. just doesn't go on Twitter and like says some BS. Exactly. He just he's just pissed. He is pissed. He's really <laughs> pissed. I mean, I'm mad. I'm sure that Jim is probably like five times more angry and disappointed than I am. So listen, trust Jim. He knows what he's doing. Okay. Just just let him do what he needs to do. And I I install my confidence 
and Jim. Hopefully he can get us back on the right track. That game against Pitt later tonight at 8 o'clock on the ACC Network. Zach, one more question before we sign off. How many do you need Patty Casey to have tonight? Ooh, Patty Casey ending the game is going to be a beautiful sight. I don't expect, unless Jim pulls a wild card on us, which, you know, he's been known to do, but also known not to. So (laughs) (laughs) it's hard to say exactly when Patty Casey will get a run. But, I mean, on on the good side of things, if we're playing really well, then I think he'll for sure get a run, you know, early second half. But if we're struggling, it'll be interesting to see when he gets minutes, if he does. But I would love to see, I'd love to see a good, I'm going to give him, I think he's, he's lethal from three from what I've seen. So I think he's, he's got to make a three and I got to give him a bucket too. I gave him this one other game too, and it didn't quite paint out. So I'm going to, I'm going to run it back. I'm going to give him a nice five. All right. I'm going to say a nice six. I want him to knock down two threes. I want him to really give the the team a little bit of a, a jolt here. All right. Maybe maybe Patty Casey has been the answer we're all looking for, all right? And he's just not getting enough minutes. Maybe this is finally the opportunity, Zach, for Patty Casey to really give this team some life. I'm excited for it. I'm really excited for it. Eight o'clock, ACC Network at Pittsburgh. And until then, we'll see you later. Let's go Cuse.